I was in the process of graduating from drama school and the vicious procedure of industry showcases, writing letters of admiration to important people who gave no response, and endless discussions of who was going to make it, had drained my passion and hope for working in theatre. I got an invitation to New York, to Brooklyn, to assistant direct. It wasn't perfect, the company's ethos was questionable, the script felt like a mashup of Oliver and EastEnders, and they weren't actually offering to pay me, but it was something different, a chance to choose a different experience, away from a foot on the rung of a ladder owned by an industry that would judge you not on your potential, but on whether you were right to join the club. It was New York, and it was an exciting time. I had a hope that this country might provide answers, and it did. One evening, I found myself among a small community of the American left. They were gathered to welcome a special guest, and soon after my arrival, the room struck silence. He had arrived. He was charming, charismatic, confident in a way that invited you to come closer. The ladies gathered round, the men followed. His name was Giuliano Mercamis. He was an actor, an activist, an artistic director of a theatre, a political theatre, a theatre in Palestine. It was called the Freedom Theatre. I listened, gripped. My dream is that the Freedom Theatre will be a major force in generating a cultural resistance, carrying on its shoulders universal values of freedom and justice. We hope that this theatre will create a political and artistic movement of artists who are going to raise their voices against discrimination. We are creating a cultural revolution. We are using art as a weapon. We challenge ourselves, our audience, we provoke. We are cultural terrorists. A few days later, I wrote Giuliano an email, waited, waited, got a response, and went to book a plane ticket to Palestine. Learned that they didn't have airports because they were occupied by someone called Israel, and begun a journey to a place that has continued across the last six years. The Freedom Theatre sits in Janine refugee camp in the West Bank, and officially opened in 2006. However, its history dates back to the late 80s, to another theatre called the Stone Theatre, built by a group of women who invited children to forget the realities of occupation and instead participate in a world of imagination and play and perform in productions created by Giuliano, the son of Anna, one of these women. By 2002, most of these children had been killed and the Stone Theatre had been bulldozed along with Janine refugee camp. One of the only remaining children was Zakaria Zubaydi, now a grown man and one of the leaders of the armed uh, Palestinian resistance. Zakaria had been on the run for seven years. He had been shot many times, his mother had been murdered by a sniper, his brother killed, his home had been bulldozed, and many friends and fellow fighters were now dead. On meeting Giuliano, Zakaria told him, these weapons that we are using, if they are not backed with values and politics and real honest leadership, liberation leadership, then I do not want to fight anymore. We must build up this leadership from scratch, and to do this, the best way to start is through an artistic venue.
So in 2006, Zachariah and Giuliano, together with members of the camp and many other people who believed in this vision, began to build the Freedom Theatre. The theatre was a place to imagine, create and explore. The people who had been the subjects of media scrutiny for many years, who had been denounced as terrorists, began to tell their perspective through documentaries, magazines, music videos and photography. The first few months in Janine working at the Freedom Theatre was a mixture of heaven and hell, a reality so far from my own, a place where violent Israeli occupation penetrates everything. But at the heart of my experiences were Palestinian people with endless generosity and patience, and Giuliano, mad, irrational, with never-ending passion and energy to create, who would challenge every aspect of your understanding, while still instilling confidence and support and pushing, pushing you not only to discover yourself as an artist, but work and contribute to this movement. I had been working at the theatre for a while when Giuliano decided to embark on the most ambitious production yet. It was going to be an adaption of Alice in Wonderland, with 14 actors, acrobatics, a revolving stage, songs of Blondie and Queen, and dance sequences. As always, at the heart of this production was a deep political and social message and the retelling of the Palestinian narrative. I timidly asked if I could be his assistant, and true to his nature of never wanting someone to go unchallenged, he asked me to co-direct with him. Eight months later, the first show opened to a packed audience of 400 people. Giuliano stood center stage, giving them a devilish grin and said, this production holds dangerous and subversive messages. Make sure you listen carefully and watch every moment. It will be our biggest scandal yet. And that was the beginning of 40 packed out performances. International media coverage and buses from across the West Bank and 48, bringing people to witness this story being told. On the 4th of April, 2011, a week after the last performance, Giuliano was murdered outside of the theatre, shot in his car by a masked assassin as his one-year-old son sat in his lap. It was a complete shock. No one knew this was coming, and before we even realised what had happened, a circus of journalists descended on the theatre. People who knew him were torn to pieces and the anger was overwhelming. However, a few weeks after this murder, someone decided it was time to continue the work and we were locked ourselves in a rehearsal room. Hostilities continued outside. Death threats arrived at the theatre door. The Israeli army came, attacking with bullets, destroying the building and taking away four key members of staff, holding them in prison without charges or access to lawyers, subjecting them to intense interrogation and vicious psychological torture. With each new difficulty we encountered, we built a new scene into the play. And as the real life story continued, so did the production we were making. We opened Shukaman, what else, in Palestine and went on to perform it in France, Germany, Austria and Switzerland. And in a small way, we had a triumph against Giuliano's assassin, against the Israeli occupation and against the media who so aggressively made up their own truth. Whilst in Palestine, what had been termed the Arab Springs had begun. I went to Lebanon and from there spent time going to the borders of Syria, meeting defecting soldiers of Assad's army or people involved in the revolution on the run. 
However, it was clear that to really understand what was going on, I must go into Syria. So together with a journalist friend, we crossed the border, somehow managing to blag that we were poor students who wanted to study Arabic and that Syria was the cheapest place to do this as it was on the verge of civil war. We connected with people working in the revolution who, under their surveillance, helped guide us out of central Damascus and into a world of protests, violence, secret hospitals, media setups, opposition fighters, and people who were working for change through all means possible with horrendous and violent consequences. Niqabs would allow us to entirely blend in, helping us to get through military checkpoints and become an anonymous part of society and observe what was going on there. Here, I met Omar. He was a citizen journalist revolutionary, anarchist, artist, and Facebooker. He had been tortured in prison and watched family members and friends being murdered in front of him. And it was because of him and his huge frustrations with the media that I felt it was important to take his story and the story of many other people to a British audience and try and attempt through theater a more complex and human-focused narrative of what was going on. I opened The Fear of Breathing in London a few months after leaving Syria. By this point, many people who I had interviewed or met were missing or killed. Eventually, Omar risked too much and his real-life identification was discovered. He escaped across the border, covered with landmines and snipers, and made his way to Turkey, now living destitute as a refugee. However, he would continue to help update the text of the production. He couldn't come and watch it, as it was impossible for him to get a visa. But instead, he sent his American girlfriend, Kyla, who watched the show and reassured him that I had cast a suitably good-looking actor to play him. The production's finished, but events in Syria continued becoming ever more complex and difficult to understand. Omar's story also continued. His house and family would be bombed. He would decide to re-enter Syria with Kyla, his American girlfriend. They would be kidnapped by al-Nazra. He would be released, but she would, be go she would go on to be sold to ISIS and later be killed by American and Jordanian bombs. Over the next few years, one contact would lead to another and one country to the next, and I went back again and again to Palestine. It was in Kabul in Afghanistan that the idea for the latest piece I'm working on began. I would spend the days interviewing ex-Mujahideen, female leaders of the community, young people who had grown up under Taliban rule, soldiers from the local ISAF base, and at one point even a British spy. Each day we would finish patting ourselves on the back for surviving the dangers and chaos of Afghan life. Each night we would go and live the high life of the NGO world, surrounded by the comforts predominantly afforded to Westerners. I would drink champagne and gin and tonic smuggled in from other countries. The house I was staying in had cooks, cleaners, someone to wash clothes and iron them, a driver, security guards that slept in a shed outside. There was even a swimming pool that had been labelled water storage in case anyone should question this luxury. There was Western-style supermarkets, which were at threat of being blown up. However, no one worried as it was the driver who was sent to pick up Marmites and Heinz tomato ketchup. The atmosphere was highly sexually charged, fueled by the constant adrenaline that comes from feeling perpetually in danger. Animal urges heightened in the conservative Islamic country where the international community were running wild. And there was the darker side of the development world, outside of the sex-fueled parties and the extravagant luxuries, the world where alternative governments were built in disguise of NGOs 
and charities trying to help, where billions of dollars would end up funding private contractors and Western businesses, a new form of colonialism disguised as aid initiatives and cultural exchanges, working side by side with the military forces. I knew these dynamics existed. I had seen it in other countries. I always tried to avoid it, but here the international bubble was overwhelming. Everyone was out to change the world, willfully ignoring the contradictions they sat in. And I realized that if I wanted to be true to myself as an artist, I would have to confront the realities and contradictions of what it meant to be a privileged Westerner parachuting into other people's lives. And so together with writer Anders Luskussen, we have begun to map out this world, a script that I could fill with my own experiences and a play that echoed a journey that I have been going on. In reflection, looking back on the days of graduating from drama school, I see a person so terrified they wouldn't be accepted or fit into the conventions of British theatre that they literally left the country. I am grateful to the courageous people who, through their examples and the risks they took, made me understand that the very point of art is to break out of convention and that our job as theatre makers is to challenge and provoke our society, our politics and ourselves, and by doing so, making change. When Juliana was murdered, a leader was killed, but in his place stood a new generation who he had taught. And I understood for the first time that being an artist means walking side by side with responsibility. I will finish by reading you a statement released by one of his students in the days after his death. Giuliano, your mother's children have passed away. Your mother, Anna, has passed away. And so now have you. But your children are going to stay, following your path on the way to the battle for freedom. And we will go on with your revolution's promise. The revolutionary message will not pass away. It will come storming the yellow sands and the mountains covered by almond trees, blowing the revolution out of the freedom fighters' hands from here, from the Freedom Theatre stage, where people were and are made to be free and engaged in the cultural revolutionary battle for freedom. In thousands of silences, only one violin is playing. And in thousands of silences, only one voice is raising up. It's the freedom fighter's voice to whom you taught how to carry the cultural gun on their shoulders. Thank you. <laughs>